Racing World is presented by Race Control Magazine. And it's a very warm welcome to you all. Hello from the team at Racing World Podcast, Bob McMurray, David Turner and myself, Darcy Waldergrave. We'll talk a lot about motorsport globally, also specifically on a New Zealand front too, as the CEO, the acting CEO of Motorsport NZ, Elton Goonan, joins the programme. First up though, a quick chat between the three of us about what was a mountain of motorsport. Well, I'd suggest uh, that mountain is going to increase in size somewhat next week when the supercars turn up to the party as well. I didn't know where to look, guys. I really didn't know where to look. What a, what a huge weekend. Bob, what did it for you? What did it for me, basically, was Spark Sport. I mean, it was wonderful. <laughs> I was able to watch Formula 2, <laughs> Formula 3, and Formula 1, especially in Porsche Super Cup. Spark Sport, thank you. It was a perfect, and all that stuff years ago, well, not years ago, last year about Spark Sport not being particularly reliable, out of the window. It was fantastic. So apart from all the stuff going on, I was really impressed with that. Yeah, and very user-friendly to the interface, which I think is something yep. that I'm concerned about from, from a cricket point of view. I know it's not motorsport, but they've taken that over as well. And yep. I think that they're doing a lot of work around making it easy to control, easy to watch, especially for some of us uh, coffin-dodging oxygen thieves out there who can't <laughs> quite deal with technology. So, you know, big and the picture quality, of course, superb. So I'm with Excellent. you on that one, Bob. Yeah. Uh, what did it for me is the fact that I had three people write to me last week to commenting about the old man comment that came up last week. So we ditched that It wasn't one. me. I didn't <laughs> write to you. I, I, I actually got hooked on live timing. I was watching live timing data feeds for the IndyCar stuff and I, I got quite excited by that rather than the pictures because there was all sorts of stories going on within the story. So it, it was a good weekend for everybody, really. It was, and superb again for uh, Scott. And we'll talk more about uh, IndyCar as well, and we'll cover off F2, F3, and F1, and a lot of other results from over <laughs> the weekend first. Uh, initially, uh, we look at the IndyCar, though. Uh, you did touch on that. You absolute tragic. If you're watching timing screens, both of the race itself, are you okay, DT? Yeah, no, are you I was sure? fine. I was fine. I was just watching sectors and stuff like that, just to see... Who was doing the real deal, if you like? And um, oh, I thought I was bad. I thought I was bad watching everything going on. I just didn't get a timing screen up. No thanks. On TV, if he's in front, he's faster. That's all there is. Yeah, to well, it. that's Thank basically how it worked with the timing screen as well. But it, it, it was a fantastic weekend. You know, another double header for IndyCar. I got another one this weekend at Iowa, so they go to a small track oval for a change. So by the end of this weekend, we will have had all the disciplines, we've had a, a, a high banked oval, we've had a super speedway road courses and, and now the short oval. And uh, as Will Power said to me, which you'll hear later on, uh, by the time we get to the end of this weekend, we're also nearly halfway in the championship already, which is scary, isn't it? So I suppose the big news from our point of view is the, the rise and rise of Scott up until race four. But uh, what, a, what a way to start a season. Three consecutive wins. That's something else. I'm Chip Ganassi smiling from ear to ear because I think he's done that before. Four wins he's got with, now. Um, well, he's got four yeah. wins. Scott yeah. had three. Yeah. Didn't, didn't he, was he running Zanardi back in the day and he topped off four in a row? I think he's got a, a bit of a history of doing this. Oh, uh, you got me there, mate. Okay, well, I don't know. We'll see. I did, the only Zanardi Feel free I'm, to write into the show and let us know I got that one wrong. The only Zanardi news I have, just going off slightly off topic, is, is no news really. He's still pretty seriously ill after his accident. So um, we, all of us have, uh, you know, we're into motorsport and there's no bigger hero in motorsport to me at the moment than Alex Zanardi. He hasn't been for a while. So I hope he's progressing. All I can say. Absolute on that. Back to the racing itself with um, that, that wonderful three in a row for Scott kind of disappeared off the scenery in the fourth race. But uh, oh, what a, what an incredible start. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. We know he can traditionally get off to very good starts and then he's a middle where he loses it or he gets off to a terrible start of the season and picks it off at the end. 
it's almost impossible to complain what he's doing at the moment. Well, yeah, and the other big thing is the fact that these double header weekends are, are really critical. If you look at, say, race one and, and Connor Daly's accident and stuff like that, the rebuild that that team had to do overnight was just horrendous, you know. And, and then equally, the way IndyCar are doing it differently to F1 is the fact that all they did on, on the Sunday morning was qualify. No practice, come out, qualify, race. So, you know, if you've had to do a big rebuild overnight, you, you, you pay a bit of a price for it, actually. So, but Scott, yeah, tremendous effort. Um, race one, great strategy again from Mike Hull. Blair Julian and the team in pit lane, you know, converted that place a little bit for Scott when he passed Will in the pit lane. So a lot of the ingredients came together. Can't take it away from the driver, obviously, but it's, it's a team game and, and the team performed there. Maybe not so good on, on Sunday with their pit stop. Um, paid a little bit of price on one of the rear tyres there, but again, bought the car home and points count. You know, and if you looked at the point spread after Saturday, you'd go, whoa, Dixie's way ahead. But it closed up a little bit on Sunday because of where he finished. But the good part about it is the people that finished in the top three positions weren't serious contenders beforehand. However, it's brought them into the mix, particularly Pato Award, you know. So you're going to have this massive cluster of people around that fifth position, uh, which is going to do all sorts of things as the, as the championship progresses. I think <clears throat> a couple of things from the weekend, really from a Ganassi point of view, Got to smarten up the pit stops a little bit because they definitely didn't do that particularly well. Um, <clears throat> willpower, a bit loose in that <laughs> second race. A bit a loose. A bit loose. I mean, um, I don't know what to say. I understand <laughs> you talked to him, Sato. DT, but... <laughs> Sorry. God, I mean, I don't what know what the guy was thinking of. That guy is. Yeah, and I've got to say it, um, there was a McLaren on pole for the second race. A yeah. McLaren on pole for the second race, while they were doing good things in Austria as well. So that's um, that's all pretty good. Scott Dixon's lead in the championship now, 173 to 119. Colton Herter and uh, Simon Pagenaud, 110, with Pato Award, the McLaren driver, in um, <laughs> equal points, uh, in equal third or fourth, whichever you want to say it. So good on, good on them, and a lot of rookies up the front. A lot of rookies up the front. Yeah, it was a great mixture of drivers and things in there. And Pato I met in, in Sonoma a couple of years ago, and, you know, he's, he's a great talent of the future. And if you look at the people that were featuring in that race, it was, um, um, you know, a, a great bunch of young talent like Alex Plough, Pato, Colton Herder. We've now seen this next generation. Great performance too from Jack Harvey, I thought, for Maya Shank Racing that have come up to do the whole season this year. You know, just excellent job. So there's, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that are starting to come together that make IndyCar what it is. And I particularly enjoyed, from another point of view, the Road America course. I yeah. That place is absolutely A long beautiful. course, isn't it? It's when a long you look course. At it, these, in, in, in today's terms of Formula One and everything else, especially when you look at Austria um, in Formula One, it is a long course. But what a beautiful course. I mean, it's got pretty much everything you'd want in a race course. It's got elevation, it's got fast, it is very fast. It's got slow bits, not so slow, but it's, yeah, what a great thing. It's got a pit lane that you could land a 747 on. This um, is what maybe took me about it. Every time you see it, look at that. how much room do you need for a pit lane oh, there? Dear. It is ridiculously big. And I like the restarts as well over the brow of the hill. Yeah, we saw a few issues up. there with the restart. Yeah, when Into a, a right-hand yeah. corner, that's fantastic. A couple of yeah. interesting things there with that crest, uh, speaking pit lane, depending where you are in the pit lane, when you bring your car in, you're either uphill or downhill. Yeah. So there's another little twist for the driver there. Only negative I've had had about it was maybe we need to be looking at safer barrier system around there because those accidents that Hunter Road, Rahel and Daly all had, they were big hits. They yep. were really big hits. The Rahel one 
Yeah, the way he just clipped the end of that concrete wall. Yeah. Hey. Anyway. Great racing, hard racing, brilliant. This is the Racing World Podcast with uh, Darcy, David and Bob, like we normally do. We uh, sent David out with his uh, tin can and his piece of string to catch up with the top three after race one. The first character he caught up with was... This is a young hot shoe to look out for. Very exciting prospect, Alex Palau. During the pit stops, we lost like two or three places on the first two pit stops. But then on the third pit stop, the crew was was on amazing. Um, so we caught a lot of guys and we were before after the last uh, pit stop. So, um, yeah, then I, I saw we had really good car. Um, after the restart, I, I could just follow a lot, uh, Ryan and Will. So I tried to overtake Ryan, and we overtook him two times. So, yeah, it was a really nice race for us. Well, Will, a second place, another pole position, a few incidents in the race for you as well. That made life a little bit difficult, but it was good to see the uh, silver Penske car back up there again. Yeah, definitely uh, a very strong result. Um, obviously, could it? it was definitely, it was looking like it was going to be better, but unfortunately, yellow fell. We had a mishap in the pits. Um, we had a bit of an issue with the... With a, we had a wrong gear in the car too, so that was making it difficult to get a good restart to challenge Dixon. Um, but I, I would say all in all, just it was a, it was a good day for us. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, had a very good strategy as far as doing that undercut there because the tires degraded a lot, and um, yeah, the team did a great job in that respect. Obviously, uh, um, you know. We need to go one better. Well, there's nothing like a bit of uh, Australian-New Zealand rivalry there, and Dixon's probably got the slight upper hand on you now, but it's very tough going out there, isn't it? It's tough, mate. Like he's won three in a row. That is that is a start to the season, let me tell you. I haven't seen that since, uh, I don't know, who the last one was. Maybe it was me way back in the day. But, um, yeah, it's... That's that's was a little bit frustrating about today for me because I'm pretty far back in points and Scott was the guy that I needed to close to and he finished ahead of us again. Um, so we'll come back tomorrow and obviously uh, keep chipping away, chipping away. You can't get desperate, just keep chipping away at it and um, see if we can have a very good second half of the year because we're coming up after Iowa. That's almost halfway, if you can believe it. Well, Scott, congratulations. Another win. Uh, this one was a little bit harder to get in, in many ways, but uh, a very solid drive, and you were there when uh, it got to the point where you needed to do something and came away with the third win of the season from three race starts. Uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, very unexpected, I think. You know, uh, I was chatting to Will after the race, just, you know, how big the undercut was, you know, and, and uh, when I came out and, we were racing with, you know, the team said we were racing for the lead. I thought they'd got, you know, the uh, the, the the timing and scoring wrong. So it uh, was definitely, you know, a pretty heated battle. It was fun uh, to, to race, you know, Will there uh, out of the pits and, you know, uh, turn five and turn six. And I thought turn six, both of us actually weren't going to make the corner. But, um, you know, it was good, good close racing. And, and um, you know, then we had that uh, really tidy last uh, pit there with a you know, crew just nailed it. And, and honestly, uh, jumped to, to the lead there. So pretty, uh, pretty mixed uh, emotion day, I think, and, and very unexpected. But uh, you know, just shows the 
the depth of the team and what they were able to do throughout the day and try and mix up that strategy and, and go for another win. Scott, it's great to see the fact that this was the first race where we've had fans back at the track as well. Do you notice that when you're inside the car? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so good to see. And you know, I think uh, throughout the weekend, you know, obviously it's still very separated, right? You know, the, the paddock, the motorhome, like everything is, is uh, you know, kind of blocked off. Um, but just to see everybody around, you know, the track, you know, and, and you know, Road America, uh, here they always do, you know, such a fantastic job of the fans kind of, you know, hiding in little places and, and scattered around the track. And, you know, especially going down into turn five and, you know, after the race and, you know, you can see everybody, you know, trying to signal signal uh, you to do burnouts and things like that. So it's, it was cool. You know, I think for all of us too on the podium, uh, it's been pretty quiet, you know, with a lot of these races, you know, and, and uh, to, to see fans there cheering and hearing fans cheering again was, was, uh, was definitely a lot of fun. Scott, naturally, with uh, with another victory here, you're closing in on, on Mario's record and then obviously AJ Foyt's record after that for most number of race wins. Is it something that goes through your mind or championship victories? Does that go through your mind or is it just a, a case that you're aware of it and, and get on with the job? Uh, no, I think it's pretty simple, man. I, I, I think all of us are very lucky to do what we do. You know, I, I love racing. I, I'm glad racing worked out for me. I wasn't, you know, particularly good at anything else. Uh, so it was nice that... Uh, this did work out and, you know, uh, I think you see the passion in, in anybody, you know, you still see it with, you know, Mario and, and AJ Foy, you know, that we're lucky to have those people at these races and you still see the passion uh, that they have for the sport. So uh, that's really what drives it. And, and, you know, I think this team, you know, Chip is probably the most competitive person I know. And to have that person leading from the top and, and uh, you know, showing that, I think it, it really filters through the whole team and, you know, the crew and everybody, I think, really lifts up everyone. Scott, during the off-season, there was a, a fair bit of change within the Ganassi racing structure and, and Mike Cannon came on board and, and, you know, you've got a new engineering team alongside you. Has that made a difference at all? You know, this is a, a very successful team. Um, you know, I think it's just, you know, kind of as a also alluded to is that we kind of kept you know doing a lot of things the same so it uh, was nice to have some fresh eyes on some different things different approach um and you know he's very easy to work with obviously chris uh for the most part is still on the minecast stand simmons um just add a lot of depth you know so we kind of have a lot more depth to the team but um yeah it's it's uh we've we've had some uh not ups and downs or anything like that, but, you know, even this weekend, you know, we, we were pretty horrible in practice one. I think we were 15th and we had to kind of rebound, you know, so there's definitely a lot of things that we're trying to find our way. Um, but it's not, you know, he's very easy to work with. He fits in extremely well with the team and, and you know, that's uh, never easy to do. And I think that's what's really helped uh, all of us um, you know, kind of find our way and work well together. Just wrapping things up, Scott, because I know you're a busy man and you've got to get going here. But, um, you know, these doubleheader events, you've got another one next weekend at, at Iowa as well, and we've still got effectively the one race to go here. But, um, you know, are they hard on the crew? Are they hard on you as a driver? What, just Does it change the dynamic for the weekend? Just no time, you know, from like an hour and 15 practice where we would typically have, you know, maybe a couple of hours of practice and, and those sessions would be split. You know, you kind of get a bit of downtime, you get a bit of time to look at data. There was so much data. It was like two, three hundred channels of information that come off the car, plus the video content we have. There's just no time to process any of that stuff right now. So it's, um, you know, you're, you're definitely flying by the seat of your pants a little bit. A lot of these races, you know, you're kind of trying to test something to see if it's going to work uh, because you don't have any test sessions. You know, at least in the road course, you had a warm up and, and things like that to kind of get through it. But these double headers for the, for the crew and for the team are just brutal. This is the Racing World Podcast. Listen to David Turner and his string and tin can looking, sounding pretty high tech there, talking to the uh, three podiums 
getters of that first race are on the Saturday. Interesting words there from Scott as well around the time. I, I get the feeling, though, even though there's a huge amount of pressure on them for time, it's almost like they enjoy the fact that it's got that frantic nature about get in, get it done, get out again. There's no time to sit around and ponder over what could or couldn't have happened, and they need someone to go through the data, mate. You could be there for them, BT. <laughs> well, you enjoy it when you're winning too, don't you? Yeah. But I think you find it a lot harder if you were Ed Carpenter racing doing a car <laughs> rebuild. But, you know, it's a, it's a great start to the season and there's more to come. I think all the race drivers want to race. They want to yeah. go out there racing every day. It's like I you know, I come back to this quite a lot. It's the blokes in the pit lane and rebuilding the cars <laughs> yeah. I feel sorry for. You know, they don't have the luxury of private jets, although they may do in these instances because they're trying to – isolate them but they don't normally have the luxuries that are afforded to um you know chip ganassi then the drivers and then the engineers tends to drop away a bit after that and they're the guys that have to do the work so yeah double headers are great um as they are in formula one i think uh, but you know, i've got to spare a thought for these guys they're working their asses off some of them they really are i think the, f- the final thing and then we can sort of wrap up the indycar part but the, the big thing dale coin racing two great new stars that he uncovered over the weekend. We knew they were there. Santino Ferrucci, who we'd seen in New Zealand in TRS, and then um, you know Alex Player as well. So Dale Coyne, always the underdog, privateer you know, team that kind of struggles to put a dollar together, uh, and they had both cars running strong. So he's he's clearly a, a talent finder, shall we say. And just to recap what happened after the four-race IndyCar series so far, Scott Dixon's got a 54-point lead over Colton Herter, and then there's a there's a swathe of them. Herter, Paginot, O'Ward, Newgarden. Probably throw a handkerchief over them all, which is what we want to see in racing. This is the Racing World Podcast. Uh, Darcy, David, and Bob with you. Now we go to your area of expertise, Mr. Bob McMurray. The wonderful wide world of Formula One at the Ostreich Ring. Well, expertise. Now, there's there's a, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of people that wouldn't agree with that. I'm going to start off lesser than Formula One in Formula Three um, and Formula Two, in fact, because our two guys that, that we follow all the time, Liam Lawson in Formula Three, Marcus Armstrong in, in Formula Two. Um, Liam Lawson had a, a nightmare of a race, really, which was stopped, you know, all that rain. They were out there in the worst conditions. I think it's amazing they actually let them... Let them race, but in any case, in the in the first race, they couldn't do very much. Liam Lawson was eighth, and Frederick Vesti was the uh, was um, uh, the winner of that race. But in of course, then in the second race, it left Liam Lawson in a pretty good place for uh, for racing, and race he did. Unfortunately, he raced a bit too hard in the end, and uh, kind of just lost the lead, trying to get it back again. He made a mistake going into that wonderful turn four. Uh, just got on a curb, which. I don't know, unsettled the car. According to him, it ripped the steering wheel out of his hand a little bit. He went a bit wide. I honestly think that um, whatever his name is, not um, Jake Hughes, oh, yes, that's the one that's always involved in uh, accidents. I, I think he was closing him down anyway. I don't think he was giving him room. He said, oh, I gave him a lot of room, with other words to that effect, but he didn't. Um, there was nowhere for Liam to go, and it was his mistake, I think, but I hope they cast as a racing incident rather than a... A penalty which is being talked about for Liam but I don't think it'll happen but anyway Liam Lawson is now seventh in the championship after all that with um, Piastri Vesti Sergeant Beckman for sure Zendeli ahead of him so you know all is not lost there's an awful lot of um, an awful lot of water to go under that bridge and I hope there's no water in Hungary this coming weekend because they're there again <laughs> well those rumble strips or ripple strips they're particularly aggressive with the Oslo ring so you get on them they can the wheel out yeah, of your but, hands, can't they? But so. where he went in was turn four and he was going very slow. It's that very slow turn to the right. And I think he just thought he had said he had no intention of trying to get back at him. 
he was just going in there and just got closed down. It is a curb which is a curb rather than all those big rubble strips. Okay. So it just sort of flicked him left. And you can see it oversteer a little bit. Anyway, uh, Marcus Armstrong was out there and he didn't have a uh, bad race. He was seventh in the first race, which once again did him pretty good for the second race. And he ended up um, finishing third in the second race. The car in the second race was nowhere near as quick as it was in the first race, it seemed. So um, I don't know how that will... I don't know how that's going to work out for him, but Marcus Armstrong is leading, lying fifth in that championship, 34 points. And then we come to, of course, um, Formula One, you know, where they're really expert and all sorts of things, and we end up with two Ferraris bumping into each other the first time they have to go around a serious corner apart from turn one. I like looking um, back over my notes, and the first word is, oh, Ferrari! <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down, hidden hands, got really... Le- Leclerc has admitted that it was his fault. It, well, yeah, and you could see it was his fault. He was storming up the inside. No, had no. Hope he couldn't really say it wasn't my fault. Could no, he? It was a little no, hard no, not to. So no. good on him for coming out and saying that and taking on yeah, the chin he had to. Yeah, he did. But God, Ferrari are in trouble, aren't they? I oh, mean, yeah. I've got a bit to say about that in my little uh, one-minute uh, tick-off uh, later on. But Ferrari are definitely in trouble. Uh, I've got to say, Nor- I'm going to say it anyway because you know I like saying it. No, um, Lando Norris again. What a bit of a star that kid is. They're calling him last lap Lando now because he seems to do you know the first race and the second race both um, um, great great performances on the last lap. Yes, he might have been a bit lucky, but that's what motorsport is, isn't it? You said um, there's no luck in motorsport. No, you keep yeah, telling me no, there's no, no luck in motorsport. Well, said, he, there is no luck. No, there is no luck. <laughs> he was in the right place at the right time. We got him detailed to to, oh, yes. to, um, to overcome. The, uh, the people in front of him who, unfortunately for Perez, he you know, had damage on the car. And uh, what Lando did, I think, is absolutely fantastic. So he, um, he came fifth in the end. And um, even Carlos Sainz, ninth. So in the Constructors' Championship, Mercedes lead it by 80. And then you've got McLaren, 39, in second place. <laughs> and Red Bull, 27. And Racing Point, 12. And Ferrari with 19. Uh, it's... Um, I thought it was, the racing was good. Honestly, I really enjoyed it. The Red Bull Ring, I think, is a great place for a race. The the um, conditions, everybody came up with the conditions right. I, I did enjoy it. And um, as I said before, Spark Sport didn't let me down one little bit. There's a couple of things going on now, of course, though. It didn't take long for racing to get back into politics, did it? Renault are po- protesting the Racing Point car, which we know is a dead ringer for the Mercedes. A dead ringer for the Mercedes W10. But the um, Racing Point RP20, anybody can make a dead ringer car. You go and photograph what you like up and down the pit lane, make one the same. Their problem is, Renault's problem is, that they have taken drawings from Mercedes and Mercedes have supplied parts for Racing Point to put on their car, which was okay last year. You could do that. You Customer can't do car. that this year. You can't do, parts. Yeah, you can't do that this year. So um, there's that protest is going to go on and on and on, but we'll see. Hamilton drove beautifully. Valtteri Bottas, he was okay. Max Verstappen just says we're not fast enough. Alexander Albon, well, he didn't do too badly in, in the end, I think. Then it was Lando Norris in the results, then Perez. Unfortunate for him um, because he was better than the sixth position. Stroll was seventh. Ricciardo, who didn't have a bad day. I'll bet um, Sainz and Ricciardo had got exactly opposite thoughts now. Carlos Sainz is thinking, Ferrari next year. Oh, yeah. Why did I and, sign that um, contract? Yeah. And Ricciardo must be thinking, McLaren next year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, let's it's, it's hope all that goes well. Amazingly, 
Um, two Haas Ferraris finished, no brake problems or anything like that, which is pretty good. And um, George Russell, got to give a yeah. uh, shout-out for him in the Williams, got to Q2, and um, he drove incredibly well until he didn't and fell off, and that kind of put him down a little bit. Well, not a little bit, quite a lot. Um, but I think he's, um, he's, he's done pretty well. So the championship there now, Bottas, 43 points, Hamilton, 37, Lando Norris, 26, um, Leclerc, 18, eh, quite a long way behind, aren't they? Then Perez, Verstappen, Max Verstappen, I mean, just, um, it's just not there at the moment. It's, uh, well, the car is not there. We'll see. Hungary's a different track completely, very slow. Big thing on the driver market too is uh, Max came out during the week saying, keep Alex, we don't need Seb. Mm. <laughs> yes. So that was quite a, an endorsement that <laughs> way. And I think that, that's fair too. I think Alex has done a great job since he's been at, at yeah. Red Bull, stepped yep. up from the Toro Rossa days, so he deserves to be there. And then just this morning, you know, a stronger indication of the fact that Bottas will retain his seat for at least one year yeah. with Mercedes. It's got to be sensible, isn't it? You don't know how long this season's going to be. It's going to be a moment eight races, although they've just announced another couple of races, which uh, Mugello, God, I am itching to see those cars go around Mugello. <laughs> what a fantastic track. Absolutely fantastic track. It's a good story about Mugello. I'll say it quickly. McLaren decided to go testing there one year. Um and they were testing beautifully for a couple of three days before somebody pointed out that, did you know this is a Ferrari-owned track? Oh, uh, yeah. Did you know that Ferrari have a control tower there with timing loops every 200 metres around the track? They know exactly what your car is doing, where it's doing it all the way around. Now, McLaren never went back there testing, which I thought was a wonderful thing. have got a laughing. TV show about that. It's called Big Brother. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, but that's good. Unfortunately, going back to Sochi, but... Uh, one of the most boring tracks on the calendar, but Mugello, wow, that's going to be good. Hopefully more tracks to come as well. Portimao. Yeah. So an interesting, you know, because obviously I was there a few years ago working for Olympic Broadcasting and, and walked the track, which was before the very first Russian Grand Prix, and that big sweeping corner that they've got, man, that thing just goes on and on and on. Like even walking around it, it's like, when's this going to end? So it's, yeah. it, it's a variable, but again... Not an ideal environment for Formula One to go to, but we'll take it this year for sure. Yeah, sure, sure. The Russians are paying, so yep, you know, right. take it on. Yeah. So the beauty around that race was right toward the very end. It was, I think, it was uh, Max on on Valtteri Bottas, and he, you know, his cars gone, but he refused to give up. There's some wonderful clean racing. They really enjoyable to watch in that. It was good. The clean big racing, fight toward the end with um with Perez and Stoll and Ricciardo and yep. all of that, and that that was. Really exciting mm. and really responsible, and you've got to like that. One last thing, I really enjoy the way they've got text up now, and they print out exactly what the cars say back and forth to each other. So you don't, if you're hard of hearing yeah. like myself, you have to go. <laughs> what did he say? Yeah. It comes up, so you can plus, see the re relation between them. Yeah, what plus those doing. graphics around the the, um, the the hoop at the front. I'm yes, not, yeah, not the whole well halo, done. but the hoop at the front there. Just very really well done. And now they've got the rearward facing camera on there as well. And you actually look and you think, well, why isn't the driver? He can see behind him, and you suddenly realise it's graphics. It's not, you know, it's not like a uh, reversing camera in a in a road car or something like that. No, I thought. I mean, it, I thought it was a great race. I really know, they, those visors aren't so irritating now. They've bedded down. When you look at them now, they don't they don't poke out like the dogs proverbials. I see them anymore. I kind of accepted that they're there, and we, we carry on. Because I know initially a lot of us were like, oh no, don't. Yeah. The Indy car, well, however, still looks ugly. But that's just a personal thing. Yeah, well, big, I, I'm. Yeah, I'm IndyCar. I'm still not with big that. changes there, though. Just not going back too far into the IndyCar chat. But the fact that uh, this week they announced that they allow for extra cooling into the aero screen area, and we should see that by the time the teams get to Iowa this week. So that'll be interesting to see. But 
Liberty Media done an outstanding job in terms of how they're taking the broadcast and media platform of F1 up another notch. Uh, post Bernie, who was probably very old school when it came to that. Oh, but, yes. You know, they, they've really done a great job with, and they said they would. Ross Braun had come out saying that there would be graphic enhancements. Well, we're mm. seeing them social media wise, they are just acing it completely. Yeah. They really are. So, great job. Okay, we got Hungary next weekend, as there's a lot going on next weekend, but a lot of the, um, the trucks are already in. Um, Budapest, but the regulations have changed there a little bit. They cannot, no team is allowed under penalty of extreme fine or jail. You're not allowed to leave your hotel unless it's in uh, your own transport. You're not allowed to leave the track unless it's in your own transport. You cannot go anywhere else apart from the track and the hotel. So most team members are going, are leaving Austria as late as possible that their particular job demands. So the drivers probably won't get there until even Thursday evening, which is, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a bit of a change. But these are the regulations that people are working under, and if it allows racing to go on, then suck it up, boys. This is the Racing World Podcast. David Turner, myself, Darcy Watergrave, and Bob McMurray, who now has the rather onerous task of, in the space of a mere 60 seconds, giving us a summary of the wonderful wide world of Formula One. Bob, let's take it away. Well, I'll try and get this in because I've got a lot of... Okay, Darcy, don't don't faint here, but I'm starting to feel sorry for Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, honestly, at least uh, Mattia Binotto, notwithstanding the unsaid uh, intimations of cheating from last year, um, <laughs> two weekends now there's been an air of desperation around them. Ferrari are in seeming trouble. Simple as that. Just read the, um, I'm reading, just finishing the wonderful John Barnard biography, The Perfect Car. You should read it. You should read it. Tells you a lot of insight into Ferrari. Um, is Carlos Science now looking at next season with a bit of trepidation? I've got written here, as we said, I bet Daniel Ricciardo cannot wait and he's uh, masking his smile behind that mask. I'll bet you. Fernando Alonso returning to Formula One with Renault. 39 years old on June 29th July. And he's had a year out of it. Is this going to be another Schumacher thing? Honestly, you know, I'll go back and it's not going to work. Yet still a four times world champion who is currently currently racing cannot get a seat for next year with Vettel. Taking a knee debate. Okay. I want to... No, I'm going to say this. (laughs) Simon Lazenby, the Sky Sports Formula One, they seem to continually try to force the drivers all to do it. Whether to kneel or not is a conscience thing, a personal choice. It's called freedom of choice. And they don't need some jumped-up TV sports presenter, sports presenter, mind you, (laughs) continually trying to call them out publicly. They don't need to be shamed into it. They all support the anti-racist dance. They've patently shown that it does not need a sports interviewer in almost every single sequence of the pre- and post-Formula 1 shows to harangue the drivers or team principals in order for them to state their own belief. So... And by the way, I was never aware of any overt racism in Formula One. It's probably the least racist international global thing because in Formula One, if you're get enough, good enough, you get in. If you're not good enough, you don't get in. I don't care if you come from Bermondsey or Pakistan. It, it's, if you're good enough, you're in. And it doesn't matter if you're a truck driver or a race car driver. That's all. Simple as that. And people not like, might not like him, but Lewis Hamilton absolutely head and shoulders above everybody else that qualifying in the wet one second faster than anybody okay he's a wonderful race driver 
So, DT, I move that um, Bob loses his 60 seconds yeah, okay. in three weeks' time. Cool. It took two minutes. Is that fair enough? Fair yeah, cool. yeah he's, he's now in the debt column. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All right, fair cool. This is the Racing World podcast coming up shortly on the program. We'll be joined by uh, Elton Goonan. He's the acting CEO of Motorsport NZ. Looking to have uh, Elton on a semi-regular basis here on the Racing World podcast. Perspective Group is a leading media production company based in Auckland, New Zealand. Established in 2009 by former TVNZ producer David Turner, Perspective Group offers you a vast arrangement of media options to fit any size or budget. It covers truly global services, supported by some of New Zealand's leading media talents. For more information, contact Perspective Group Limited at perspectivegroupltd at gmail.com and check out the website perspectivegroupltd.com where you'll find even more information on creating your media solutions. Welcome back to the Racing World podcast with Darcy Watergrave, David Turner and Bob McMurray. It gives me great pleasure now to welcome to the cast Elton Goonan. He's the acting CEO of Motorsport NZ and we hope Elton will join us on a regular basis so we can find out exactly what's going on in the uh, wonderful wide world of motorsport here in Aotearoa. Elton, welcome to the program. I trust you well. Yes, good thanks Darcy and uh, great to be here. And lovely to have you here as well. Bob, take it away. Good morning, Elton. It's uh, Bob McMurray here. Elton, um, obviously everybody's heard about the the demise, shall we say, of the WRC coming to um, to New Zealand. Can you tell us about the new rally working group? Why is it needed? What are they going to be responsible for? Um, so, so really, the, the the main reason that that we put that in place is that, um, as everyone knows in the sport, we've, we've got the the rally commission, and, and they're, they're quite heavily involved in the sort of the the week to week running of the sport, um, but they're also very, very involved in running their own clubs and involved in their own events. So the, the working group is kind of just taking a step away from that, that I suppose, day-to-day action and actually looking at the bigger picture um, and by, by sort of bringing the likes of um, Roger Oakley in to sort of head it and we've got um, Blair Bartels and, and Hayden Patton who are both very experienced um, at national championship level and Aiden's experience obviously over in WRC and the rest of the world it's, it's, it's going to give us a chance to kind of look at look at rallying in the bigger picture in the bigger sense and, and trying to create you know what every organisation and particularly at the moment needs to do is, is look at that big picture of the sort of five and ten years and where are we going to go you know what are the cars that are going to be coming up um, and just trying to get trying to create that that forward plan of, of, of the future of, of rallying um, how did you go about selecting the members of this particular working group? And what's the dynamic like between these characters to date, Elton? Um, the dynamic's actually quite... It's, it is very, very good for a, for a group of guys that are, um, you know, vastly experienced, um, all in their own areas. They're very, very strong-headed, but they've all got that same focus of what they need to do. And I say it's looking for that future. And they had their first in last week, um, the outcomes of that, you know, from that initial talk was was great. There's some some good thoughts coming in there um, with Rocky Hudson there looking looking sort of on the the organisational volunteer side of it. He's got some great thoughts as well, and um, yeah, they're coming out with some really really great results. But um, you know, it's going to be a couple of, couple of months before we before we're actually able to, to sort of start publicising anything. But um, so far, it's really good. The group themselves, um, we kind of sat with the, we sat with the board and worked through you know what the outcomes were that we wanted from it as a sport. And then, then we looked at, you know, the people that, that we, the type of people we needed within that group. And 
Um, for us, Roger um, Oakley was was key really to hit it up. Um, he's got experience um, organising. He's, he's very very involved with the the Otago Rally, so he was an ideal person to, to hit that up. And he's within his own business life, he's restructured, and then that's really what we need. And then. For the rest of the team, it was guys that have got experience across the board. Like I say, Hayden's got his competition and, and worldwide experience. Blair's got his experience with um, the NZRC Championship and, and being the, the organiser with that. Um, you've got Rocky in there as well from the volunteer side. So, so the, that, that side of it, it's it's making sure that we have representation from all the key areas. Um, Elton, it's David here. One of the things, um, obviously, with Hayden there and another development that the sport's got going at the moment is cross cars. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so yeah, cross cars actually it's a really, really exciting um, part to the sports, and it's going to fit nicely into into the club sports sector. Um, the cars, the cars themselves, they're, they're massively popular. Um, I mean, you, you can quite easily sit on sit on them and see the amount of videos and stuff that happens where they're used in hill climbs and sprints in Europe and they actually race them um, against each other at like a like a version of um, auto, uh, rallycross. But um, the cars, cars themselves, yeah, there's, there's a good level of interest in them. Um, the fact that we're, we've been able to include them in the hill climb championship this year has been great. Um, they've got their own, own championship within the, within the series. Um, so it gives somebody a, a, a chance to actually be a, a New Zealand cross cars champion. Um, but they're, they're just little rocket ships. So if you can't see them, they actually sound like a, like a Formula One car um, to, to the air, which is which is really great, really great. And uh, especially uh, around the hill, the hill and stuff, when Hayden ran in the Ben Nevis, the uh, the echo of the hills was was, was awesome. Here on the Racing World Podcast, we're joined by Elton Goonan. He's the uh, acting CEO of Motorsport New Zealand. Elton, what about Motorsport New Zealand itself? It's been through a bit in the last few months, maybe settled now. How is the organisation tracking? Where do we sit holistically currently? It's a, it's a bit of an undertaking. We've been through a few tough months. But, um, yeah, it is, it is settled down settled down nicely. Um, we're, we're, we've settled into a new building in Kapiti, Um and it's uh, the the staff have really settled in nicely. They're, they're comfortable. Um, we obviously had that restructure, which which was was out there to, to a lot of the, the members. Um, but the team we've got on board, they're they're really focused, aimed at picking things up, getting the sport going. And, and really for us, that is the main focus at the moment is is getting the sport happening again. Um, we had those those three months under lockdown where we really couldn't do anything. Um, but now that now that we're up and running, yeah, we had our back in motion package that went out, and that was very very well received by the clubs and the members. And, and literally the day after it was, it was launched, we had a had a massive influx of licenses and roll cage applications, events going into the, the motorsport online system, and, and it really hasn't stopped since then. So um, from our side, the the fact that people are wanting to get back out there is really a great sign, and um, and the fact that they're backing they're backing the sport and actually getting back into into motorsport. Uh, thanks very much, uh, Elton Goon, and of course Elton is the acting CEO of Motorsport NZ, and we look to have him uh, regularly on the program to talk about what's going on in motorsport in New Zealand. Both of you guys are in it up to your eyeballs, or, or have been. What's the feeling that you have around the brave new world, if you will? The brave new world of motorsport New Zealand. Yeah. Um, well, it can't get any worse than the old brave new world. <laughs> um, honestly, they've copped a lot of criticism, justified or not, I, I don't know. But um, anything that tries to turn it around and they've got some good initiatives going, at least there are initiatives. And uh, I think 
in, people in New Zealand ought to be supportive of it until you've got a reason to be not supportive of it. Don't let past um, recriminations cloud your judgment about what's happening now. There are new people there, other people there, should we say. So, you know, give them a chance, give them a break. I think it's, um, I think it's a good thing. Elton's, uh, Elton's a bit of a goer with it, so we'll see. Yeah, and I, I, I think also, too, we've got to remember, and we've just talked about it on the show, you know, talent and New Zealand fosters motorsport talent and we've got a heap of it out there right now. And it starts at home, whether it's grassroots motorsport or, you know, up to the, the tier one type level that we've got. So I think there's some positive things that are on the way. Of course, we inherently run around a summer season. So, you know, we'll see some of that come to to the front in the coming months. But, yeah, I, I think there's some great things, you know. Elite Academy does wonders for the sport, as you well know, Bob. We're both involved, or you know, you were involved with it. Yeah. Um. So there's a, a lot coming, and, and the team's now settled down. So now it's time to to get on with the job, and uh, you know, to all the people that get out, and and the volunteers. You can't, you know, the number of volunteers that go to racetracks and give up their time to be flag marshals or whatever. You know, the, the sport's very healthy in that sense. So there's there's some good things ahead. This is the Racing World Podcast. I shortly will look forward to uh, what we can experience next week on the racetrack, and there is so much you would drown on it. So before that, though, well, one of the things that's coming up is the uh, the supercars, uh, a bit of a, a flight from Melbourne. Everybody disappeared at the drop of the hat. I recall seeing David Reynolds' Instagram post of uh, all of his gear on the driver of his parents' house going, hey, Mum, I'm, I'm home for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I was that w- fast. It was quite phenomenal, wasn't it, the way it acted? Yeah, well, I was watching the um, the Kelly's YouTube channel and they were posting all over the place and Andre Heimgartner was posting on there. And it was basically trucks out of the workshop in, in Melbourne and suddenly where were they? Oh, they were at the Kelly's farm, the whole team, you know, <laughs> everybody, including the transporters and the cars and everything, you know. But it was a, a mass, we've got to get out of here quickly. And a lot of the team's came to the party to help other teams out, which I thought was a really good thing. Triple Eight held their their hand very high. A couple of the teams based themselves at Sydney Motorsport Park, but now we'll see what happens this weekend. They've already said masks are mandated, which weren't at the previous round, so we're going to see more of that. Um, and, you know, let's just hope that it doesn't spread further into maybe New South Wales. Yeah, I, I did hear something that um, they're getting a bit concerned in Sydney because there's a... a a greater outbreak. By the time we do this next week after the event, we'll know if there were any crowd there, if everything went off well, if indeed there were races. So I damn well hope there will be. Simple as that. Well, it's a pretty excited schedule they've got coming up at Sydney oh, as well like, for the return. Yeah, yeah. not after busy. I think Shane was talking about the fact we've got to we've got to put put a few lights on the dash. I can't actually see what I'm doing in the dark. So there's a few <laughs> few minor adjustments that have to be made. And Bob, you've been uh, watching NASCAR because you can't get enough of a good thing. Uh, yeah, that's right. That was just another thing to slide in there over the weekend with the Porsches and everything else, which I haven't mentioned the Porsches yet, but I won't because I've done my minute NASCAR. Um, <laughs> oh, there's <honey>. one. <laughs> um, one thing, actually, the the Haas are in trouble in Formula One, but Stuart Haas are not in trouble in NASCAR. Won by Cole Custer, Custler, uh, the weekend, so that was pretty good. Martin Truex Jr. second, um, Matt Di Benedetto, Matty D in the th- uh, third place. Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch. It's the mile and a half um, speedway at Kansas, so. It was, it was good, but it'll take too long to talk about it. Jeez, it takes too long to watch it. I mean, it's on for <laughs> most of a day, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, coming up next weekend, we'll talk about that in a minute. But NASCAR being NASCAR, they're still 
doing it uh, in front of no crowds, although you tend to see a few people sitting around. <laughs> uh, I don't know quite how they get in there now, but, uh, yeah, NASCAR being NASCAR, they'll carry on I forever. Thought, I thought the interesting thing there was uh, Jimmy Johnson was back and yet uh, yeah. it wasn't 14 days till he no, but wasn't he had supposed to, to be there. So Apparently he had two negative tests. Don't count so good. Yeah, two negative tests, you can come back, you're okay, mate. And he was doing really well. Jimmy Johnson was up the front most of the time until, oh, about, um, actually... Sky Sport, thanks for cutting it off because, <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, yeah, anyway, I won't talk about that. So I didn't really see the end of it, but apparently the end, there was um, a bit of a mix-up and he did not finish in the top 10. Uh, I think he finished 18th or something, but he was in well, first, second, third, fourth position for most, a lot of the race. So good Jimmy Johnson. He's got to win. This is his farewell tour um, or his farewell trip around the, the tracks of NASCAR. He's got to win at some point. He's a multiple champion. It's too good just to fade away. We've talked about farewell tours before, haven't we? So everyone has a farewell tour. So does that mean TK's going to win an IndyCar this year? Well, he's got a yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. Can we do a farewell tour when we actually just, you know? Well, no, because the podcast has only just started, so we're not ready for a farewell. No, we no, want to no, retire no, no. already. Not with this, but yeah, anyway. Right. Sorry, that was NASCAR. Eyes forward, ladies and gentlemen, because it's thick and fast next weekend, just to add supercars to the mix already of uh, the Formula One and, of course, the double-headed Indy. So what have we got coming up, Bob? Uh, we've got, um, well, there's uh, 94 events around the world next year, recognised events, next minimum. Week. We've got Formula 1, 2, 3 Porsche at uh, Hungara Ring. It used to be a really slow track, but it's speeded up lately. But that'll be, I hope Ferrari are able to uh, to come back with some new bits, which they tried Well, they had new bits. Weekend. They just didn't yeah. get a chance to see if those new bits no, worked or no, not. No, they destroyed the, the new bits. The new bits, <laughs> <laughs> new bits are all bent now. We've got IndyCar, as we've spo- uh, spoken about, Iowa Speedway. A couple of uh, races there. Um, Saturday and Sunday here? No, Sunday and Monday here. I can't night remember. Night race too. Yeah, night race in there. Supercars at Sydney. There's a night race on Saturday and then two day races on Sunday. That's going to take a while up on TV. We've got NASCAR at Texas and Super GT Fuji. Nick Cassidy is um, is pedalling his way around Fuji um, and he's done pretty well in testing. He's still um, a little slower to um, – slower. No, he's not. That's wrong. He's still not at the top of the times, but rarely are they ever in testing. So um, Super GT, Fuji, Nick Cassidy in his Lexus. We'll see how he gets on. Yeah, I think there's there's, there's plenty coming, and so we've basically got to do, let's hope it rains this weekend so you can stay inside all weekend. Yeah, I know, it's embarrassing. It was That's the awful, awful thing. I'm watching on um, even Sunday, Monday morning I'm watching, and it's a beautiful day out there, and I'm thinking, oh, my... Anyway, no. Iowa is a great track office. for IndyCar, a great short oval. It's a, is it it's good a for good track. It's good for Scott. He's he's done yeah, all right there. It's okay for Scott, okay. but I think the thing again, double header weekend, just got to come away with points. Yeah. Most exciting thing for me is it's short speedway. I really follow Scott Dixon, obviously, but just the entire racing in these things is stunning. It's white knuckle stuff. It's frightening quite frankly, if you know what's going on inside those cars. So we'll all be over all of these races. And we'll be back again next week because we can't stop ourselves. Don't so forget, if you if you have a comment for us, you can do it via the Race Control Facebook page or via the Anchor site where the podcast is hosted from and, and we'll endeavour to answer your questions. 
Or Elton, you can yeah. you can send Elton a question ask too. Ask Elton a question if you want to. I mean, we can ask hard questions, but I'd like to know what really uh, really is bugging other people there. Don't make it too insulting. Don't make it too long. We won't read insulting <laughs> Don't words. Don't make out. it too long, eh, Bob? Yeah. Mr. The timekeeper here. <laughs> <in the program laughs> Sorry, I'm going now. <laughs> We're all going now on behalf of David Turner and Bob McMurray. I'm Darcy Waldegrave. Wishing you a wonderful week. Happy racing. This has been the Racing World Podcast. Racing World is presented by Race Control Magazine. Race Control Magazine is your IndyCar fan mag and so much more. Publishing monthly online on issuu.com, you'll find Race Control Magazine there for you to download and enjoy everything IndyCar and so much more. Behind the scenes features, race reports and the entire Road to Indy series are just part of what you'll find along with stunning images captured from the series leading photographers. Grab your copy today at iwsw.com to complete your motorsport read.